The man that we have come to know as Jesus of Nazareth was born and grew up a subjugated citizen of the Roman Empire. At the beginning of the Common Era, the Roman Empire, under various Caesars, had expanded into Eastern and Central Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East. At the time of Jesus' birth, Caesar Augustus, the son of Julius Caesar, was the emperor. Rome's mighty army kept the peace and expanded the reach of the empire through its military campaigns. Military brutality ensured homage to Rome and quiet in the provinces. With many nations and cultures under its rule, the Roman government knew how important it was to have strong leaders with ties to the local people. Rome shrewdly sought out such local rulers, setting them up as puppet kings, such as King Herod, who ruled Israel at the time of Jesus' birth. Although he was forced to obey Rome, King Herod sought out glory for Israel as well. Under his rule, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem was rebuilt, and the city took its rightful place as a jewel in the Middle East. Jerusalem was King Herod's showpiece. A cosmopolitan city, Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life and the heart of commerce and government. At the time of Jesus' birth, there was only one Jewish temple in the entire world, and it was in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem was known as the one temple for the one God. This exclusive worship space stood in stark contrast to the religious practices of the occupying Romans. Roman religion gave people many gods and goddesses. Each deity had his or her own temples, feast days, and rituals. One might pray or offer homage at any number of temples, depending on one's loyalties or one's needs. For a people to claim that there was only one God who was to be worshipped in one singular temple puzzled Roman generals and bureaucrats stationed in ancient Jerusalem. But as long as Judaism did not interfere with the affairs of the empire, it was allowed to continue. Picture, if you will, in contrast to sprawling, bustling Jerusalem, a quiet seaside town lazily going about the business of offering people rest and relaxation. Less than a day's journey from Jerusalem on the coast of the Aegean Sea sat a small city named Caesarea Maritima. This Roman city, named in honor of Caesar, and built entirely for the benefit of Roman officials, offered relaxation to provincial governors and others who were serving in the colonies. Caesarea had temples to Roman gods, its restaurants and shops specialized in Roman foods and goods. Cool breezes made this seaside resort a desirable place for Roman officers to hang out. It stood in stark contrast to volatile Jerusalem. Also, less than a day's journey from ancient Jerusalem was the town of Nazareth in Galilee. Nazareth resembled neither Jerusalem nor Caesarea. It stood as a center of agriculture and the trades. 
It knew the bustle of business, but was not a prestigious place like the capital city. On the political spectrum, Galilee was a hotbed of radicalism. From Galilee, itinerant preachers came forth proclaiming the end of the world. Political militants plotted the overthrow of the Roman government. Guerrilla bands set their sights on Roman officials and on Jewish priests who colluded with them. Religious Galileans did not like the way the temple in Jerusalem was being run, and they wanted to purify it. Nazareth was was as Jewish as Caesarea was Roman. While offering none of the resort-like qualities of Caesarea, Nazareth and, and the towns surrounding it offered a haven for dissident political thought. And it was here, in Nazareth, not Bethlehem, but that's another story. It was here in Nazareth that Jesus was born and grew up. Here he learned to read and to take part in commerce. Scholars agree that Jesus spoke Aramaic, Hebrew, and certainly enough Greek to transact business. Rather than emerging from Nazareth uneducated, evidence clearly indicates that Jesus grew up with a level of sophistication. He was used to urban life. He was not an illiterate peasant. He was embedded in Jewish culture, and it was political injustice that forced him into action. So for Holy Week, the stage is set. Jesus has been walking around Galilee for a couple of years, teaching and healing people and stirring up dissent toward Rome and against Jerusalem's colluding priests. Some Galileans see Jesus as a social reformer. Others recognize him as the Messiah or an apocalyptic leader. His power and popularity grow as he continues to criticize the Roman Empire by insisting that the kingdom of God is at hand. Everyone in occupied Israel knew which kingdom was at hand, Caesar's kingdom and no one else's. Anyone following Jesus might have realized that he was going to get himself into trouble. Many who heard him must have said to themselves, someone is going to kill this man. Everything Jesus did and said was politically dangerous. Meanwhile, back at the resort, Pontius Pilate, the new Roman government governor in charge of Jerusalem, was cooling his toes in the Aegean Sea hoping to avoid the political mess in the capital city. Pontius Pilate ruled Israel as Rome's governor from 26 to 36 BCE. An effective and brutal ruler, Pilate specialized in suppressing conflict and revolt. Imagine his annoyance at having to leave the cool sea breezes and the good Roman food of Caesarea to go up to Jerusalem and keep order during the Jewish festival of Passover. In Jesus' time, as now, Passover celebrates freedom from oppression. People saved up money all year long to travel to the temple in Jerusalem during Passover. The city would have been teeming with thousands of travelers. Naturally, political dissidents joined this annual melee and tried every year to stir up trouble. You can imagine how politically charged this holiday would have been under Roman occupation. It is no wonder 
that Pontius Pilate knew that he had to be in Jerusalem for Passover, and no wonder that he dreaded it. Pilate had a standing order to the Roman guard during Passover that they were to apprehend any dissidents immediately and get rid of them right away. After three years of his ministry, Jesus decides it's time to up the ante and to take his message to the seat of power, and he chooses Jerusalem during Passover. At the same time, as Jesus makes his way from Nazareth in Galilee, Pontius Pilate travels a day's journey from Caesarea to keep the peace. Pilate has seen these Jewish crowds get out of control before, and he has executed dissidents before, too. Jesus and Pilate each travel to Jerusalem, unaware that their paths will cross, forever changing the history of the world. The Gospels tell of Jesus' triumphant ride into Jerusalem with adoring crowds following him. People wave palm branches and sing his praises. His message of liberation and justice resonates with Jews who are living in an occupied land. His wrath at the priests who who collaborated with Caesar's government fuels the discontent among those who wish to see the Romans thrown out. During Passover, Jesus preached the end of Roman occupation and the coming kingdom of God, and this was akin to shouting fire in a crowded theater. All Jerusalem must have been abuzz with his words and his outrage. All three synoptic gospels tell the story of Jesus cleansing the temple, and this lends credence to that this fact, this actually happened. The earliest gospel, the one attributed to Mark, tells the story this way. Then Jesus and his disciples came to Jerusalem, and Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying within the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves to be sacrificed. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you, you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him. For they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teachings. If Jesus wanted to get Rome's attention, he could not have picked any way to do it better. Riding into the city with a crowd surely drew Pilate's attention. Then Jesus insults the temple priests by disrupting the commerce surrounding Passover An act of political subversion of this magnitude assured his arrest and made his execution likely. Likely, Pilate saw him as just another in a string of rebels for whom death was certain. The Gospel of John, written generations after the crucifixion, makes much of Pilate washing his hands of Jesus' blood and turning him over to the will of the people. This interpretation of the story of Jesus' death has caused incredible misery for our Jewish brothers and sisters at the hands of vindictive Christians. But history clearly points to the Roman judicial system as the agent 
of Jesus' death. An empire needed an efficient way to get rid of troublemakers. The Romans favored crucifixion, a practice that was hated by the Jews. That Jesus was nailed to a cross to die symbolizes the ultimate defeat for a Jewish guerrilla. This beloved teacher and preacher was executed for defying the Roman government. In Rome's eyes, Jesus' crime was sedition. It might be easy for us to either write off Holy Week as a superstitious pageant having nothing to do with us, or to read the events of that week with no concern for their context. But if we resist the easy path, we will be able to see in the story of Jesus' last days not the creation of a God through the resurrection of the dead, but as a bold call to action to challenge the empires of the world wherever they exist. The true meaning of Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter is that injustice cannot be ignored. Leaders who speak the truth are worthy of following, even in perilous times. And we ourselves must live with eyes open to the ways that the world's injustices make it difficult for everyone to live. Today, on Palm Sunday, we honor the daring of Jesus of Nazareth. We imagine ourselves walking alongside his donkey, waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. With the throng, we enter the gates of the great city of Jerusalem. The air crackles with electric anticipation. We have come to be near a teacher and a preacher who we have heard so very much about. We worry that he will upset the Roman guards, but we so thirst for his message of freedom and justice. On Palm Sunday, we walk alongside Jesus in his glory for a moment, knowing about his horrible death to come in less than a week. We savor for a moment the Jesus that we admire, alive, vibrant, charismatic, warm, generous, and loving. Soon Pilate and his army will have him executed. But for now, for today, we are in the presence of someone great, someone worthy of following, someone worthy of loving. Let us go gently into this Easter tide. May we know triumph within the tragedy. May we remember Jesus' Jewishness and his message. May we learn from this teacher and follow his good example. So be it. <laughs>